And now, the group you've all been waiting for, the Lovers of Five. And I'd like to tell you about my favorite number, which is the number five. And the number five is my favorite number because it has one straight line here. And then it has a round line on the bottom here. And then it has another line on the top. I love singing about the number five. Give me five. Uh, give me five. Give me one, two, three, four. Give me five. Give me, give me one, two, three, four, but if you love me more, give me five, yeah, yeah, give me five. Hello, everyone. That's right. It's time for another edition of the 5x5 five five on ChairShot Radio. 5x5 five five is brought to you by the ChairShot Radio Network here on thechairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. And this week for the 5x5, five five, this one, this one's an exciting one. So I got my good friend, the lawyer, my bandwagon nerds co-host, co-founder, David Ungar on the show to talk a little Star Wars. That's right, everyone. We are going to do a Star Wars episode today. We are going to do our five best and five worst Star Wars moments. First of all, Dave, how you doing today? Beautiful day outside when we're recording. You don't know when the recording is going to drop, but the record says here in Massachusetts, where I am, freaking gorgeous. It's not even going to break 80 today. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty sure whenever this drops, it's still going to be triple digits here in Bakersfield. That's just my guess. Yeah, Bakersfield is on fire. (laughs) California is on fire. The state's on fire again. Yes. So, okay. We are going to do Star Wars. I am very excited for this episode because I know that I'm going to, one, surprise you with some stuff on my best list. I think I'm going to surprise you with some stuff on my worst list. This is a rich, rich topic to choose from. And I know you're going to have thoughts on my list, and I'm sure I'm going to have thoughts on yours. Out the gate before we go into just sort of talking process and our and our and our first uh, and before we get to our first commercial break. Out the gate, when I pitched this to you, what went through your brain? Uh, well, initially I thought great idea because you know, like you're saying it's a rich topic. Um, the other thing that went through my mind is like this will be interesting because you and I are Star Wars fans, but there's a definite difference of opinion between us as to certain aspects of the the series so i thought okay this this is going to be fun to see i mean i think there's going to be a little bit of commonality because there's some universal truths about star wars uh but at the same time you know i know especially anything involving the sequel trilogy we have divergent opinions about the sequel trilogy so that might have some interesting stuff going on yeah i'm very i'm very interested to see how this goes i think yeah anybody who's ever listened to bandwagon nerds um, and has listened to Bandwagon Nerds with any sense of regularity, you know that my favorite sequel trilogy movie is The Last Jedi. Though I often, as Dave likes to call me out, will make jokes and talk about The Last Jedi when I really mean The Rise of Skywalker, which is my least favorite of the three. Uh, I was excited uh, we when we talked about, I can't remember, whenever the last time we talked about Star Wars in front of Ray Cash, he uh, he was surprised to learn that I also don't like The Force Awakens. And he was he was just like, really and and having to talk about that i do i have very very strong feelings about that jj abrams trilogy and it's it's funny because as we're recording this i've been watching uh light and magic the documentary on industrial uh, industrial light magic and the first four episodes of that series is all about basically the production of star wars and a little bit of some of the indiana jones flicks um star wars empire strikes back sorry a New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. And to learn, one, just how burnt out the guy, the, the, the effects crew was by the time they got to, to Jedi, it was, was, it was interesting in its own right. But it, 
it kind of reinforced some stuff and it, it kind of got me really thinking back. And, you know, when we, uh, when we put these two lists together, uh, in both categories, I, I had, I had so much that, uh, it, it took a lot to pare down. And so, uh, for those of you who don't recall the way we do this, we're going to take our first commercial break in a second. We're going to do the best. We're going to do our favorite moments first. And then as my good friend, Greg DeMarco says, we're going to do the worst list last because that seems to be what people really want to hear and talk about. And so uh, I'm excited to do this. I don't want to wait too much longer. So I'm going to take us to our first commercial break. And when we come back, Dave and I are going to do our top five best Star Wars moments. You are listening to ChairShot Radio, the 5 by 5 here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right. Welcome back into Chairshot Radio, the 5 by 5 This week, I'm joined by David Ungar, and we are going to be doing our five best and five worst star wars moments of all time and before we get into the list and we're going to do the best first uh dave you're going to do the honors uh for the first list so you're going to you're going to give your number five first in mercy vice and then i'll give my number five first in the worst um and work it down from there before we get into the list i want to talk about a couple of things first of all let's remind everybody of the rules of how the list works so just like on bandwagon nerds when we do our list shows there if i name something and it's higher on dave's list dave's going to signal me so that we stop We'll talk about that moment on the list when it is highest on a list. I just think it does it the most justice. I wonder if we don't have the same number one for best moments. I'll be interested to see if we have the same number one for best moments. Um, two, Star Wars fans, we are not going to hit all your favorite moments. I just know it. This is just too much out there. So send all your hate tweets to at PC Tony and complain about all of the Star Wars moments we missed in our best and worst list. These are our lists. And so these are by no means definitive, but to us, these are the definitive best and worst moments in Star Wars. And then before we, before we really get going, how did you define a moment? Because for me, I found that a lot of, most of the moments that I have, at least on, at least on the best list are, quotes and lines within a moment the worst list it's a little bit different uh, and, it, and it seems to be more scenes than anything so i don't know but i felt like it was a snapshot in time and well i'm going to make an exception for this week's list because it's so extensive and because of the type of nerds we are after we give our our list i will allow two honorable mentions and so if you've got a couple you want to put in your back pocket for honorable mentions hold on to them but talk to me about your process, because to me, this was really hard. It was like, is that really a moment? Is that like, what is it? Um, but I feel like I feel pretty good about the list that I have. First off, I love the fact that we're going to send your hate tweets to at PC Tunny, Mr. It's all Star Wars. So that's that's perfect for him. Um, for me. Yeah, I think I was a little bit loose with the definition of moment. And I told you that earlier today that that I kind of looked at these things as Yes, they're moments, but some of them are, especially on the on the bad side of things, are uh, like a collection of moments that make it collectively a really shitty moment. And I think that's something that'll make more sense as we talk about it. Uh, you know, on the on the best side, there is one where where I did that I, I definitely cheated a little bit, but basically because it's the same thing done a couple of times, and and that. That kind of thing that I, so I wanted to talk about that when we get there. But yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I really, I wanted to hit something from all three trilogies if I could, which is tough with more with the sequel trilogy. Uh, ironically, I know we shit on the prequel trilogy a lot, but I thought it's harder to find really great moments from the sequel trilogy as opposed to the, you know, the original for sure. And the prequel trilogy has got stuff to talk about, but you know, whether, polarizing opinions as a sequel trilogy notwithstanding it's 
yeah, it's a little tough to find the stuff that really pops from those. Right. So here's the other thing. Uh, I didn't just stick to the movies, uh, at least in my best. I, I actually have a moment. I have a moment from one of the animated series as well. So there's so much great lore that does exist in Star Wars. And it's funny, if you listen to me on Bandwagon Nerds, people probably are like, yeah, this guy says he's a fan of Star Wars, but he shits on it a lot. I'm highly critical of Star Wars. And I'll own that. And part of it is because I have so much love for the original trilogy and I am an old man yells at cloud sort of guy when it comes to these movies, this, what we would call a canon. Because I do think that the foundational lore of Star Wars was great. What made me sad was that there, 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 and we talked about this on an episode of Bandwagon Earth. There, there was such a loss of of where to go next that it's it's made it hard. And, and you'll hear me talk about that a lot when we get into our worst moments. So, all right, we're gonna do this. Uh, the other thing that we always do, we do this rotisserie style. So Dave will go first. I'll get he'll give his five, then I'll give my five, then I'll give my four, and Dave will give his four, and so on and so forth, so that we kind of bounce back and forth. Let's get into our best Star Wars moment. Dave, your number five. Yeah, I think my number five is really the only thing that I got on here from the sequel trilogy. And it's uh, Chewie, We're Home from The Force Awakens, which I've got that on here because although the prequel trilogy dealt with all sorts of the formation of Anakin and the fall of Anakin and that sort of thing, there wasn't much in the way of nostalgia for the prequel trilogy, but this was the first time you saw Han Solo and and Chewbacca since return of the Jedi. And I just, I just love the moment where they come in there and you know, they're on the millennium Falcon and they come through the door and, and um, you know, Harrison Ford looks at the camera, Chewie, we're home. It just, it just hit me in the feels after all those years. And it's one of those, whether you like force awakens or not, that's kind of one of those moments that stands out to me like, wow, okay, this is actually really happening. Because you never thought you'd ever see these characters come back and to actually see Han Solo, to see, you know, if there's anything about the sequel trilogy that that I love, it's the fact that you got to see these characters at least one last time. And um, that moment to, for me was, it was a moment I distinctly recall putting a big smile on my face. So that's my number five. It is a heartwarming little moment. Uh, and I, I, I ran about this a lot. My biggest problem with the force awakens is that it's a redux of, of a new hope and in a lot of ways. And I, I didn't mind nostalgia in the film, but I felt like Abrams put too much nostalgia and he felt like he was trying so hard to prove that he was a star Wars guy and worthy of making these movies that it detracted from the movies. Uh, Chewie were home is not one of those moments. And, uh, when we talk about our honorable mentions, oddly enough, uh, I do have a Force Awakens moment as one of my honorable mentions. Now, here's the other thing I, I meant to talk about when I was talking about the list. I tried to avoid doing more than one moment out of a movie. I, I kind of what you were getting at. Like, I was trying to to not overlap. So, uh, excellent choice. My number five is going to come from my five, my favorite sequel trilogy movie, The Last Jedi. And I simply called it The Broom. Uh, the the very end of The Last Jedi, after Luke Skywalker has died, after the, I guess, you know, I don't know what they, it's not really the Rebel Alliance, um, but the, uh, the Rebels are fleeing, they're trying to find their allies, they're sort of scattered about the, uh, about the galaxy, but there's this sort of sense of hope as they escape with Luke Skywalker sacrificing his life. And at one point we go back to the casino, which is this much maligned uh, part of the movie, which I I get that it's extraneous. Uh, However, at the very end, the children that you see earlier in the, in the casino that work in these stables uh, are all talking about this uh, breakout and freeing of these creatures that uh, that's done by, um, by Finn and uh, I'm forgetting Rose, Finn and Rose, and they're they're talking about it excitedly. And this, like this foreman or whatever, the supervisor comes up and he starts yelling at them very, very like abusively and angrily. And this little boy comes fleeing out of the uh, out of the stable, and there's a broom leaning up against the wall, and he just reaches his hand out to it, and the broom comes to his hand as he uses the force 
to bring the broom to him. And to me, this is what I always loved about the end of some of so many of these Star Wars movies is that another big piece of the lore is this concept of hope and hope for the future. And in that gesture, it's a very simple thing. But I remember seeing it in the theater and I remember that being a moment where people kind of audibly gasped because it was hope. It's hope that there were going to be more Jedi or at least more people who are force sensitive that may be able to help shape and move the universe forward. And it's a very simple moment, but I thought it was a very elegant moment. And I, I think it, to me, it's funny. I, I enjoy that movie a lot for what it does uh, in sort of challenging our concept of the force, but it's that little gesture that, that sticks out to me the most and was my number five moment. Yeah. I think the thing about last Jedi that even though it's not one of my favorites, the more I watch it, the more I appreciate aspects of it. Like, you know, Luke basically coming full circle with his own appreciation uh-huh. of what it means to be a Jedi and him saying how the Jedi needed an end and he would be the end of the Jedi and that sort of thing. And then you see, like you're saying, this this moment where it's like, oh, yeah, there's still a lot of force sensitive kids out there who are just now tapping into that broader power. So, yeah, that's that's a cool moment. I thought when you said the broom, I thought you meant Luke just kind of, you know, swatting the dust off of his shoulder after Kylo unleashes everything possible on him. Yep. Nope. The broom. All right. So my number four, my number four comes from one of the star Wars stories movies. My favorite, uh, my favorite of the two star Wars stories movies, rogue one, a star Wars story. Uh, I am one with the force. The force is with me. Um, it's the scene where I never can't pronounce this dude's name. Uh, Sharut Imwe or something like that. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, they are, the rebels are pinned down. There is a switch that needs to be flipped in order to send a signal up to the rebel fleet that is trying to get the plans of the Death Star. And in a moment of just faith in the force, as they're being blasted at by everything, he, he blind man walks with total faith that the force will protect him and allow him to pull that switch. And he does. And it's, I love that movie to death. Uh, but that one, that moment to me is very, very powerful. And it actually brings, it brings about faith in other characters that are watching him do it. And it's, I, to me, it's the best part of the attack on Scarif. Yeah, that's that's a hugely powerful moment. Um, Rogue One, I know it's I think it's probably your favorite of the Star Wars movies uh, of the newest of the Disney made Star Wars movies. It's easily. my favorite. Yeah, and it's it's a tremendous, uh, a tremendous movie as well. I love that movie. Um, I've got a moment coming up from there in a little while. But yeah, that's a great choice. Great choice. Um, my number four is from Revenge of the Sith and it's Anakin versus Obi-Wan, the, the lightsaber battle. And everything that flows from that, you know, it's, it's not the battle is one thing because when you're used to the Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader fight from new hope underwhelming, but in 77, it was great. But this is just, I don't think there's any argument. This is the best lightsaber duel in the entirety of any, any, even including modern stuff, anything in star Wars related And it. And it goes on forever. And it's, it's heartbreaking because especially when you watch like Clone Wars, and I know you've got some stuff from the animated, but when you watch Clone Wars and you see the depth of the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin that gets fleshed out so much over seven animated seasons that doesn't kind of come through in the movies. But then when you get that as a background and you watch this fight and this almost father-son, yes, they're brothers, but it's deeper than that, falling apart before your eyes and then you know, what happens at the end with, you know, I've got the high ground, which I know has been turned into a meme into itself, but who cares? And, you know, don't try it. And Anakin overconfident to the end. Uh, it's, it's, it's the fight. Yes. But it's all the emotions that are going on wrapped around that fight that elevate this to an entirely different level for me. So yeah, Anakin versus Obi-Wan number four for me. And if you couple that with John Williams score, uh, it's terrific. Yeah. I have the high ground. The little O'Dowd references that all the time. Uh, I will say of the prequel, I, I do disagree with you. Like, I think it's a very good Star Wars. I actually prefer the Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Darth Maul fight from Phantom Menace. Uh, if, if for no other reason than it was the first of its kind. Like, 
we were so used to like slow plotting samurai style lightsaber battles and you get ray park with this double lightsaber just looking fucking badass um and that battle just all through um through naboo through the palace was great the weight and the consequence of the anakin obi-wan battle though uh, and and actually for me it's the end when Anakin is you know a one armed limbless burnt husk of a man still yelling I hate you as Obi Wan walks away uh, is is just terrific so excellent choice no no argument there what's your number three yeah before I get to three I would say oh. you, you talk honorable mentions I would say the definitely the fight Obi Wan versus Darth Maul would be. Um, because like you're saying, when he comes through that force barrier and, and they start going at each other, yeah. Um, but anyway, number three is uh, using wrestling terminology, I will call this Vader's face turn, which is in Return of the <laughs> Jedi. And uh, it's it's at the end of everything that we've been through, you know, and, and Vader being the most evil, horrible person possible. And then at the end of everything, redeeming himself because he saves his son. And, you know, it, it takes on more meaning when you know the full story of everything and, and where he was and, and the great virtuous person. And again, referencing, referencing Clone Wars, you see how heroic he is throughout that series. And, you know, to have him come full circle and to save his son and off, you know, get rid of the emperor in the same way. It, it's always one of those moments that, you know, I, I always love watching Vader this just that even though he's wearing that mask, you can almost. You, they do a great job of making you feel the emotion that's going on behind that mask as he's watching his son being tortured and killed and he flips back into a Jedi and, and, and redeems himself. It's uh, it's always been one of my favorite moments from this series. Cool. Here's the funny thing. When we get to our worst list, I'm going to talk about that moment, um, but not in the way you think. Spoiler alert. Ooh, okay. All right. My number, I guess Spoiler alert, tease alert, that's a tease. All right, my number three from the Star Wars Rebels animated series, Obi-Wan Kenobi kills Darth Maul for good. And it's, again, it's an amazingly powerful scene for an animated series. Darth Maul, who was brought back in uh, Clone Wars, uh, he shows up in Clone Wars and is very prevalent in later later seasons of clone wars and is still alive in rebels has been obsessed with getting revenge on obi-wan kenobi and manipulates ezra to try and get to obi-wan kenobi and eventually kenobi appears and tells ezra he will handle this and he waits for darth maul darth maul comes the combat itself the scene is very very brief but you talk about redemption when you were talking about darth vader the best part of that scene and what makes it so powerful in my opinion is that as he is dying darth maul again is asking for hope and obi-wan tells him that he thinks hope is coming and and that the world will be made right and obi-wan is comforting darth maul in his death and it's again for an animated series it's very very powerful and, and beautiful and uh, it, it really took a character that was kind of a one-off in Phantom Menace and that you thought you'd never see again. And just what they've done with him in the animated series, uh, I don't count the Han Solo movie appearance. We're going we're to pretend that didn't exist. But Rebels, to, to put a bow on his life and his, his character arc, I, I love it. It's great. And if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Yeah, that's uh that's an awesome moment. And and I I mean and like I really should have thought more about the animated stuff cuz there's something I probably would have added to my list and I'm going to mention as an honorable mention. But yeah, the the great thing about it is just the like you're saying Darth Maul was a one-off and he's just such a beloved character because he just looks so badass and was just gone, you know. It's like it's like killing off to what Taskmaster and or Crossbones, right. excuse me, in in uh in in Marvel stuff, but yeah, I love the moment, man. And it did add, it added some finality and it showed you a different side of Darth Maul because, you know, all through Clone Wars, it's all about him trying to acquire power, balance to get his, his thirst for revenge against Obi-Wan. So, um, yeah, great choice, man. Excellent. All right. So that brings it to my number two. 
My number two is a quote. You're all clear, kids. Now let's blow this thing and go home. Luke Skywalker in the trench. Darth Vader has a lock. I have you now. And then all of a sudden you hear Han Solo swoop in in the Millennium Falcon to disrupt the TIE fighter to Darth Vader's right, which crashes into him, causing Darth Vader to go off out of kilter and allow Luke Skywalker to get the shot on the Death Star and blow it up. It's it's awesome. Like, it's awesome. And, like, every time, goosebumps when he shows up. And you know he's going to show up. Like, even when he, like even when you first watch the movie, you know he's going to show up. But, like, just when he does and the way he does, it's, it's amazing. And I love it. And that's my number two. Yeah, I, it's one that I, definitely an honorable mention for me. Uh, it's, it's one I thought long and hard about putting on my own list. But, yeah, the whole trench run. And, and just, you know, right. Obi-Wan talking to Luke and Luke first starting to come into grasp with relying on the force to do something that, you know, technology can't match. And it's it's all cool. It's a great moment. And, yeah, the, you know, Han Solo rescuing the day, showing that he's not all about the money. So, yeah, great, great call, man. So my my number two is one of these ones where I cheated because this is my two sides of the same coin moment. It is. Darth Vader destroying the rebels at the end of Rogue One and Luke Skywalker destroying Death Troopers at the end of season two of The Mandalorian, which really, when you think about it, we've ta- we talked about this on Bandwagon Nerds when it happened, um, that this was, it's re- literally the same scene, just different sides of the force where you get to see Darth Vader mo, And it was the moment, of course, we know from Rogue One that made people, because you know Darth is powerful, but that moment elevated him like, wow. You get to see just how, holy shit, this guy is really badass. And then similarly, you know, you get to see Luke Skywalker at the end of Mandalorian season two. You see how far he's progressed in his own mastery of the force as he mows through death troopers like they were, you know, like a knife cutting through butter. So to me, it's like it's it's great because it is the father and the son and that that comparison, that interlink that they have between themselves. And it's the same Sort of, you get to see these father son and the power in a different way, but it's really the same scene. So that's my number two. I know that might be cheating a little bit, but I think you probably see why I did it that way. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, my my big uh, my big comment to to that is uh, I loved that after Rogue One came out, somebody then took that scene and put it to the song "Don't Stop Me Now" by Queen. It makes it hilarious. But uh, yeah, that that moment out of Rogue One is uh, is terrific. It's Darth Vader in everything you wanted to see. If there's one thing Disney, I think, has really done well and gotten right with their with their film work regarding Darth Vader, like while he's still alive, they have really reiterated how horrible and evil a force he was in the galaxy. Between that and Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, it, you know, more recently. It, they've done they've done right by Darth Vader, in my opinion. They so, really have. They excellent, really excellent have. number two. I'm hoping that our number one is the same. What's your number one? My number one is is and and you know I want I look for ways to avoid this because it's so cliche, but I don't see any way you get around. I am your father. Nope. Um, yep, that's my number one too. You can't. You yeah. can't it, because it changed the whole series and and it changed everything that we knew. And, and it's, you know, and we've, I mean, you talk about it all the time. It's so hard to get a sequel that's better than the original. And especially when you're talking New Hope, which was phenomenal in so many ways and groundbreaking and, and universe creating. It's like the Big Bang, you know, when you're talking about it with Star Wars. But then in Empire Strikes Back, which was a great movie leading up to that moment. And then I Am Your Father changes everything, literally changes everything. It's it's one of the most shocking. And I mean, for kids nowadays, I don't know, man, you were, you were young. Like I was when this happened and what was I 15? I think when it was it 80, no 80 when that happened, right? 80. So I was 12. So you were just a two year old. Never mind. (laughs) But for me, when it happened, I mean, I distinctly remember, you know, leaving the theater with my mom, you know, when she was still alive and, and kind of her and I look at it, she's like, what the hell just happened? And it was that kind of a moment that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker. How does wait? He killed his father. How does this all work? And it just leads into 
the creation of what we have now, which is this massive universe with branching story arcs and, and creates, why do we need a prequel trilogy? Because Anakin Darth is Luke's father and it's revealed in this moment. So as far as a, a singular moment, changing cinema history, world history, really, if you really want to talk about it, it changed the world. And I, I don't know how you avoid yeah, saying was, that's number one. It's, it's, yeah, it's the biggest, in my opinion, it's just undeniable that it's the biggest moment in Star Wars lore. And kids, I'm going to be a nerd for a second. The line is not, Luke, I am your father. It is, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. That's the line. And it is. It's, it's, you're stunned when you don't know it's coming. Mark Hamill and his reaction was played out so well. When you learn how secretive they were about that reveal in the script, how few people actually knew that that's what they were going to do until it was revealed in shooting. It's, it's terrific and it's wonderful. And it's people reference it all the time. So yeah, easily a number one in my opinion. And and. I'd say, yeah, it's a no brainer. I just didn't see how there was any other way we would choose something different than that. So excellent. Number one, there you have it, everybody. Dave and I's five best moments uh, in star Wars honorable mentions. You get two. Dave. What, what were two of your other honorable mentions that were that, that you couldn't put on your list of five? Well, I think definitely because you mentioned the an- animated stuff, uh, gotta be the battle between Ahsoka and Darth Vader in rebels, which is, um, it's a good one. One of the most emotional. And again, going back, when you think about Clone Wars and Ahsoka and Anakin's relationship, and it's it's so tragic to see Master Padawan, I mean, brother and sister, damn near, having to go through that with each other. And Ahsoka desperately trying to redeem, you know, Anakin during this fight. And you get glimpses. You get to see it, and it's similar to the Obi-Wan series. There's glimpses of Anakin they're buried underneath so much of, of Vader. Uh, but that's probably one I, I would have definitely uh, have put on there. And yeah, I, I do dig, you know, honestly, when, uh, when, uh, when Luke brushes off that dust from his shoulder in last Jedi, after Kylo throws everything in the world, you know, to the point that, uh, that Admiral Hux or whatever is like saying, that's enough, you know, even, and he oversteps his bounds, but he's like, that's enough, dude, you know? And, 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 you know, the smoke, the dust clears and Luke just, you know, brushes it away. And then, yeah, I think, I think that, that would probably be one. And then you mentioned, of course, Qui-Gon versus not Qui-Gon, uh, Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul is uh, one of those lightsaber battles where you're like, Oh damn, here you go. So um, those would be my honorable mentions. So my two um, is the only time I, I left this one off. Cause it was in, I had already done one empire strikes back moment, but I love you. I know. Uh, Forgot about yes, absolutely. Like there's shirts at Disney. You go to Disneyland, they got shirts. I love you. What guy? What guys wearing or girls wearing? I love you. Guys wearing. I know it's great. Kevin Smith said it best in a documentary once. He's like Princess Leia looks at him and says, "I love you," and Han Solo, like a pimp, says, "I know." Uh, before he gets frozen in carbonite, and that was an improvised line. That was Harrison Ford changing because it was supposed to be like "I love you too" or something kind of cheesy, and Han Solo like. Harrison Ford knew Han Solo was cool and made it cool. And then my other one, all odd how many of these moments involve Han Solo. Um, but from a for, the Force Awakens, uh, Han Solo dies, um, and it's Chewbacca that really hammers it home. And they do it again in um, you know in, in terms of things I didn't hate in. Um, in uh, Rise of Skywalker, Chewie's reaction to both the death of Han Solo and Princess Leia is beautiful. Like, whoever did the sound work to get the voice right, it's amazing. It's perfect. And you feel it. Like, you feel it as a fan. And it's just so well done. So, yeah, though, that I guess that would be my double honorable mention is, you know, Princess Leia and Han Solo's deaths. Um because you feel the heartbreak of Chewbacca. You know, I loved Luke Skywalker's death. Uh, I think Connor uh, 
the little doubt he he did it best um when he saw it in the movie as luke fades away he's like oh he became one with the force like that feels right um on solo they got you at, like you knew he was gonna die too like you knew what was gonna happen um but then they had chewy just losing his shit and it's terrific so and, that was my that was my other honor. and if i can i'll say this um leia's death was i mean han's death was Something you knew he Harrison had been wanting to kill himself off and that character forever. But, you know, to see right. it go down and, and to him kind of looking into his son's eyes as he dies was was just such a gut punch. But Leia's death is different because Carrie Fisher had passed away in real life. And, right. you know, and and so I think this w- it was more powerful because we all got to say goodbye to her, um, knowing that in real life she was gone. And it gave I think it, it was cathartic to a certain extent for a lot of us to be able to say goodbye and, and do it in that way, very respectfully, very elegantly. And um, yeah, right. those are great calls, man. Cool. All right. So there you have it, everyone. Our best Star Wars moments. We're going to take our second commercial break. Uh, before we get to our recorded commercial, of course, it is my duty to remind you that if you like what we do here at the Chair Shot Radio Network, Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and rep the brand by investing in one of our mini chair shot shirts. We have all kinds of designs to choose from, everything from chair shot logos to even some shirts for our shows and sayings that we use all the time on our podcast. We like to bring you quality content each and every day. I said like, I mean love. We love to bring you quality content every single day on the chair shot radio network. And the best way that we can keep going is to get support from all of you, whether that's word of mouth or yeah, the money doesn't hurt either. Shirts are only $19.99, but if you're feeling fancy and you want something that feels nice on your giblets, get it soft style for a few dollars more. Again, that site, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. As Christopher Platt would say, please and thank you. Thank you. And please, when we come back, Dave and I are going to give our worst Star Wars moments. You are listening to Chair Shot Radio, the 5x5, here on the Chair Shot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. Everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to AngryLemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's AngryLemonade.net all right, welcome back, everyone, to Chairshot Radio 5x5, the five best and worst Star Wars moments of all time. I am joined by David Ungar. We have given our best. Now, kids, it's time for the worst. And Dave, you get to kick us off this time with your number five worst moment. I'm excited. Lay it on me, big fella. Well, uh, number five is, and I'll, I'll, like I said, a lot of the stuff on the worst are just collections of moments because they all just kind of suck. But number five is Revenge of the Sith, the end. No! Well, higher on Pat's. <laughs> cool. Higher on Pat's list. However, my number five is from Return of the Jedi, the redone version with footage added in. If you watch Return of the Jedi on Disney Plus, or if you buy any version of Return of the Jedi on Disney Plus, when Darth Vader decides to turn on Emperor Palpatine, he now speaks and he now says no, no. And it is the recording from what, spoiler alert, is my number one worst moment in all of Star Wars. When he throws the Emperor off, it ruins an all altogether good moment in Star Wars because George Lucas can't stop fucking with his movies. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot about the special edition that you can really bitch about. I don't know if you got stepping on Jar or, or uh, Jabba's tail. And Jabba's all tail. No, 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 no. None, none of that. 
Uh, this is the only sort of special edition. The thing is, is this isn't even from the special. This is like from the special edition of the special edition because they he keep keeps tinkered with his movie, and he yeah, tinkered with right. that one again. It's like why and just why. So our number fives are actually kind of linked to each other a little bit. They are. They're connected. I, I honestly expected it to be higher on your list. Okay, so my number four. Uh, my number four comes from my favorite Star Wars Disney Plus series, The Book of Boba Fett. And <laughs> I know you're going to disagree with this one because it's Boba Fett Rides a Rancor. When that moment appears on the screen, I went, get the fuck out of here. This is stupid. This is a nine-year-old who's playing with his little Kenner toys, being like, Boba Fett Rides a Rancor is so cool, guys. No. It was dumb. I hated it. Get it out of my TV screen. I will never watch that shit again because it's not all Star Wars, Tony. That was stupid. Stupid. I honestly thought you would just have the entirety of the Book of Boba Fett on your list. Oh, I, I, I mean, everybody knows how much I hate that show, but I couldn't. I, I, this to me is peak, like peak. Oh, fuck off. Like literally what I said in front of the screen. With my nine-year-old son. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. I am. I was. I was. If nothing from Book of Boba Fett appeared on here, I was going to be really shocked and disappointed in you. But um, my number four is again. It's one of these things. It's a theme more than anything else. It is the fact. It is just too much politics through the entirety of the prequel trilogy mm-hmm. that just takes. You know, there's lots of stuff in the prequel trilogy that is actually very good. But then it gets buffered against all this political bullshit that goes on that takes the pacing of the movies and grinds it to a fucking halt. And I'm not, you know, you're more you're more into politics than I am, and that that we we both know right. that. But I think at this but point, no, it was just boring. Yeah, it just like who cares? It was boring. It wasn't compelling. Like there was this idea that it was going to be like compelling. Like this is how the galaxy worked under the Republic. And I don't. Yeah, I honestly, it's like you don't like. There's a lot of things that are wrong with the Phantom Menace, but the middle of that movie is a good reason why it's not like like Jake Lloyd and, and Jar Jar Binks notwithstanding, the, the slowed down political talk and the Senate meandering and, and all of that, Terrence Stamp losing his role in the Senate, it's boring and nobody cares. And it continues with Attack of the Clones. It's not so much, I mean, Revenge of the Sith is a little bit different because you know, the emperors usurped everything. You just don't exactly know it yet, but yeah, it really right. grinds the pacing of Phantom Menace and attack of the clones too much to a halt. So yeah, I got, that's my number four. Okay. So you're number three, sir. My number three is you kind of alluded to it. It's basically anything. It's the entire Finn and Rose storyline from last Jedi that is superfluous that created so much. Hate, I mean, hate unjustified hate to what is it, Kelly Tran is that who played Rose? Yeah. Um, right. Unjustified, though, that was. Granted, the performance is just not good, and it just doesn't matter, but you leave personal stuff out of there, and that was uncalled for on so many levels. But it's just kind of the big, you know, those of us who don't like Last Jedi, you will hear this refrain repeatedly. I don't get it. What was the point of that? You get this uncomfortable, Rose clearly loves Finn, Finn clearly loves Ray. So you get this unrecorded love sort of thing melded into the be added on to something that didn't need to be told that kind of wasted a good 30 minutes of, of that movie. And, and you know, this has nothing to do with Kelly Tran. So please send your hate tweets to at PC Tony. Remember that. But, you know, it's just like for me, I, I just whenever I see that, I'm just like, ah, this just takes away from the rest of the movie that is actually pretty good. So, well, and it did a lot of other things, too, like it. It killed off one of the more compelling characters that never really got her due. Captain Phasma, like Captain Phasma, who had this thoroughly unique look. And yet we just didn't do anything with her. Like it was it was weird. And it it was weird in like it felt like she had some sort of place in in, um, The Force Awakens. And he thought like they killed her off out of nowhere in that one. And then she comes back and then they really did kill her off out of nowhere in in. Uh, the last Jedi. Yeah. Like I can't defend the casino scene uh, or the cas- like that bit. Um, I don't think it's anything like retrans acting. I think it's, she was a victim of bad writing 
Uh, and, and just, it was clear they were like, well, we don't know what to do with Finn in this movie. And so we made up something for them to do that really was kind of a pointless thing for them to do anyway right. in the end. Like right. they go through all that effort for it to be a pointless gesture. And they kind of box himself in a corner because he gets, you know, a lightsaber to the back at the end of Force Awakens and then he, you know, awakens in Last Jedi and like, right. what do we do with him? Ray's off doing all this other stuff. We got to, she's with Luke. What do we do with Finn? Well, did you have to do anything really? So I don't know. But right. anyway, that's he my could've, he could have found He could have found himself in his leadership in so many other ways. That I like, that's what it is. So I lied. Um, my number one moment is not what I said my number one moment was. Um, I, I looked at my numbering wrong. Uh, but my number three moment, also from The Last Jedi, which is funny because I say I like it, but Flying Princess Leia is like just ridiculous. And the first real moment that we get to see her use the Force, and that's how she uses the Force to survive the, uh, the explosion of the ass end of her ship, uh it's it's there's no defending it it's dumb it looks dumb and that's the other thing is it just it looks dumb and clumsy she looks like mary poppins flying it back into the ship and, and you can't defend that moment you just can't yeah i mean i i don't hate it as much as everybody else but it is a pretty indefensible sort of scene when you, when you take everything that's going it's just goofy i guess that's the thing is it's really goofy looking right and it's and it's up there against you know i mean and they had it succeeds another, you know, it's a moment after a, a cool moment where Kylo Ren has the opportunity to blow his mom away and he stops and then somebody else right. does it. So it's like, oh, you know, you get to see that sort of like redemption. There's some humanity left in him. And then they kind of they kind of ruin the moment for you. Right. So, all right. My number two is no. Um, Darth Vader in the suit is created. He's learned that Padme is dead. He starts crushing everything around him. And then you get the goofiest, silliest, like, I don't know what James Earl Jones was doing in the voice acting room. Uh, I feel for him because it just didn't need to, it, it, it didn't need to happen. And, you know, he does that and you like it's supposed to be this big, serious moment. And he, it's laughable. Like you laugh at that moment and that makes it number two. Yeah. It's probably too low on my list when I, when you really, and especially the way you describe it, Pat, because you've got, this is the first appearance of Darth Vader. Really? I mean, as, I understand. As we know him. Yeah. As we know him, chronologically speaking, it would be the first appearance and everything that's going on is badass. You can, the fury and his tapping and his anger and the, you know, anger being a pathway to the dark side, you get to see, just how powerful he is is everything around him is just destroyed. And then they just totally water it down with this whole, and it, and it makes no sense because if you're Vader and you've assumed the role of Vader, you've basically purged yourself of this attachment and this love that has fueled you into this thing. And what does he do? He goes right back to it. And then he, he add that. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's just dumb. I agree. All right, sir. Well, your number two is up next. My number two is anything involving Jar Jar Binks and the Phantom Menace. Anything involving Jar Jar Binks. It, it just, it, you can't, I don't know if you can isolate just one stupidity that he does in The Phantom Menace. It, it's, it's all, it's, it's, a it's an amalgamation. It's a collection of just Jar Jar-ness that, and another actor, Ahmed Best, who gets, you know, unfairly maligned. It wasn't his fault. You know, he's just doing what, what he's voiced. It's shitty writing again, like you said, Pat. And this character that just, Shitty, was, shitty racist writing. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's just this character so hated and they, they, they make him a little bit better in, in attack of the clones. And, and then in clone wars, he's got some episodes where he's actually useful and redeeming a little bit, but it's awfully, awfully hard to find anything about Jar Jar Binks and Phantom Menace that you can defend. I just, I can't do it. And there right. you go. What's what's funny is that if I I, I always maintain this because uh, it was an attempt to be C three PO is what it was. It was an attempt to be a new C three PO, and C three PO is a, a thoroughly annoying character as well. Um, but I I always maintain that unfortunately for me, it's Jake Lloyd that that ruins Phantom Menace more than Jar Jar Binks. Oh, hold, that, hold that thought, bud. Well, but you and I, and, and we we can't. So it sounds like I know what your number one is, but. Uh, but you and I, I think uh, we 
uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe this. We weren't the audience for Jar Jar Binks because like my, my kid, the little O'Dowd thinks he's funny, Like he does. So that's the other thing. And, and this was one of the things that George Lucas always maintained about the character and the movie. And, and what George Lucas forgot is that he didn't account for the people who grew up on his first trilogy, accepting what was going to happen when he designed the second trilogy for a new generation of children, not a generation of people who grew up watching the first trilogy and then were excited about the second one. So I, yeah, that's, it's a fair number two. That's a fair number two. And that, um, brings us to number one. Did you do your number two? Oh, your number two was no. That's no. Right. Yes. So is it my number one? It is your number one. Yeah. It's anything involving Jake Lloyd from Phantom Menace. <laughs> It, it just, it just, this is why, this is why Phantom Menace fails. And you raise a good point. And we've talked about it before. Jake Lloyd, and again, another person whose life was ruined by hold, Star hold Wars. On, Dave, hold on, Dave. Hold on. Wait, this just happened. Oh, the studio audience showed up. Well done. Yeah, it just, I mean, you've, you've, I've heard you say, you, we both have gone off. You mean I get to go with you on your starship? You know, it's so, it's so bad. In so many ways, yeah. and and you know, I, I mean, and, and the cringy relationship between him and Padme in this whole thing, which is just odd. Are you an angel? Yeah, it's, it's just like you know, I want to see them all. You know, it's just it's so many things, and it's not. And I understand, you know, and I understand. Jake was what was he nine years old when they did this, and yeah, but he's, he's not. He's not the best child actor in the first place. It's compounded by the fact that like you were just saying George wrote the prequel trilogy designed for an entirely different generation of people and forgot about those of us who grew up with this thing and it's like wait a second this is the most evil being in the universe and you look at Jake and 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 I know he's going for the whole let's make him so innocent and so childlike and so this but it just completely fell apart and was like like just an absolute dud and everything that Jake did in that, in that movie was just, and I've maintained the whole time you start Phantom Menace with like, you know, Anakin at the age that he was when Hayden Christensen takes over the role and Hayden is his own story, but he does, he's not worthy of being on this list in my opinion, but um, deciding to start Anakin as a nine-year-old and, and just compounding that with the fact that Jake was not a strong enough actor to pull off this stuff combined with bad writing, bad dialogue, George being just tone deaf to really where his target audience should have been. Um, it's just, it's an irrecoverable slide and you match it up with my number two, you know, you got Jake and Jar Jar next to each other. It's, it's, I know it's Tony's favorite movie, which I don't get, but I, because, for people like us, because that was the, it's, it's yeah, we, and we've talked about this on bandwagon nerds. Like for us, the original trilogy was our introduction into star Wars for, like the Ray Cashes of the world for the PC Tunnies, yep. it really was the prequel trilogy. And so they have a different perspective yeah. on those trilogies. And that's, and, and fair. that's fine. That's fair. Right. I just, I don't see how anybody objectively looking at that performance, anything that I, I can't find right. a redeeming moment that Jake did in the entirety of that movie. I, I can't, I've looked for it. Right. Like Hayden redeems himself it's, in Attack of the Clones with this whole, where he talks about killing the sand people, which is like powerful. Right. Jake doesn't have that moment anywhere. Sorry. Right. It's, yeah, it's just, and it's tough for child actors. Like, and that's the thing is like, it's such a challenge to, to cast a child and, and then you have to have a certain skill to then direct that child so that they're successful. And that's why Chris Columbus is such a great director for children because he, he's really good at it and he brings out the best in them. He made Macaulay Culkin's career um, as a child actor. If Chris Columbus is directing Jake Lloyd, I wonder if we don't have a different opinion on that character, but George Lucas just wasn't, he wasn't the guy and he wasn't the right, he wasn't the right guy to direct that, that film. So you look at like what Chris did with a Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone with those three kids at the very beginning of that. And and the, and and the chamber of secrets, he directed the first two. That's right. And you Uh, look at what he did with those same age, just about Daniel Radcliffe as, as Anakin instead of Jake Lloyd, totally different performance likely. Maybe. Yeah, it's just it is. You got to have the right sort of temperament to direct children and child actors. And and that can be tough. All right. Time for my number one. 
I ha- you, you'll notice I haven't talked about the rise of Skywalker at all. Here it comes. At all. It was Palpatine all along. It's just fucking stupid. It's fucking stupid. He was gone. He was dead. He was ruined and obliterated at the end of Return of the Jedi. He has nowhere to be found. No inkling of an existence in either The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi. And then out of nowhere, because we got no idea what to do. J.J. Abrams, I'm sorry, J.J. Abrams had no idea what to do to finish this trilogy in a way that made any semblance of sense. He was like, well, fuck it. Maybe Palpatine survived through, I don't know, the dark side on this planet that we're just going to make up that nobody can find. It's just invisible. And literally, they say it standing around a table as the Rebel Alliance. It was Palpatine all along. He was pulling the strings. No, he wasn't. You made it up for this terrible, 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 awful, worst piece of shit ever made Star Wars movie that should never have existed in the way that it did. It should have been burned from the record. We should purge it. It should be gone. Terrible. And it shouldn't be Palpatine all along. It should have been Kylo Ren. It should have been Kylo Ren, and his victory is his redemption and death. But no, you had to bring Palpatine back, and then you had to make Rey his granddaughter? The fuck is that? All of it. Terrible. Get rid of it. Purge it for the record. Worst moment in Star Wars history ever. Period. End of discussion. Uh, I can't completely disagree with you. I, and I think I think the other aspect of this, and, and let's, let's, okay, Last Jedi into <laughs> Rise of like Skywalker. Like- Here's the other thing. This is definitely an honorable mention, but it ties into what you're saying. We kill off Snoke so anticlimactically in The Last Jedi where you could have used him as the big, you know, yeah, why do you bring back? So what you're saying that Palpatine is really Vince McMahon because it was him all along. It was me all along, Austin. It was Palpatine all along. I, and I will never understand why they opted in. And this is this is a problem with the sequel trilogy is you got J.J. doing Force Awakens. Then we switch to Ryan Johnson for Last Jedi. Then we go back to J.J. Abrams, whereas I know the original plan was to have a third director do Last Jedi, which you're doomed to failure almost immediately. I mean, it worked with the Harry Potter series, yes, but that's an exception, not the rule. Usually when you're switching directors like that, you're going to have problems in here. You know, whatever Johnson was thinking as far as killing off Snoke as anticlimactically, like a wet fart in church sort of death for Snoke. And then you go and you say, well, geez, we've lost our Abrams. Maybe this is part of the problem. Abrams comes in and says, wow, I've lost my big bad. What? I got it. (laughs) You know, I would. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. It makes no sense. It was an easy way out. And it just it really. No goddamn sense. Yeah. I can't disagree with you, really, to be honest. All right. Well, that is our worst of the worst. I hope you all enjoyed my screaming rant. Dave, any other honorable mentions you want to put out there? I have two. Uh, why don't you go first? Let me let me mull this over because there's there's a wealth of stuff to right. talk about. Honor, honorable mention number one also comes from uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Space horses on a Star Destroyer. Just come on. Like, I could, uh, yeah, space horses on a Star Destroyer. Like, I, again, like watching, I was watching this in the theater and being like, get the fuck out of here. Um, just, just get the fuck out of here. Um, and then num- and my other honorable mention that damn near made the list. It almost replaced the Return of the Jedi. No, Metachlorians. Um, this, this was just a, a thing that once again, you had this like mystical, almost religion in in the force that needed no explanation that that george lucas decided to be like no fuck it it's science and uh it, it just to me it didn't work and, and you'll note that midichlorians haven't really been talked about since uh since, since then well i think yeah snoke's death was one that that i would have had on there i think another one that's that's pretty rough is um Attack of the Clones, and there's lots of rough moments in Attack of the Clones, but Anakin and Padme's admission of love to each other are sort of, 
they're not even admitting their love to each other. They're kind of involved in Anakin's all like, if you feel something, tell me. And she's like, you know, and her response is just equally bad. Like we're going someplace we can't go and all this. It's just, it's forced. And I get it that the love story is arguably critical to the whole notion of why Anakin goes down the path that he does. I get that. But that whole scene was just really rough for me. And it's just like this, this feels so freaking forced. And then when you compare later on where she decides to disclose her feelings to him, why? Because we're in danger of getting obliterated by all these creatures. So now, you know, we're, we're facing this perilous situation. We need to focus to survive. What are we going to do? I'm going to distract Anakin by professing my love to him. It's just dumb. Anyway, that's. Yeah, it's fair. Um, and, and it continues into it, it continues in Revenge of the Sith. Like to me, there's that moment on the balcony where she's like, you know, it's just that I'm so in love with you. And he's like, well, no, it's because I'm so in love with you. And it's like, oh God, stop, please. You're, you, I don't believe that the two of you love each other. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So there you go, everyone. Some honorable mentions to go on top of our worst of the worst. Uh, that's going to do it for for this edition of uh, the Five by Five on the chair shot radio Dave, before we get out of here, uh, remind everybody where to send their hate tweets and then also tell them where they can find you on the chair shot radio network and out there on the socials. Yeah. The force was strong with this one, but if you don't think it was strong enough, send your hate tweets to at PC Tunney. He will definitely appreciate that because in his opinion, it's all star Wars and it's all good. Sort of kind of, uh, for me, if you want to find me on Twitter at attitude, ag, that is at attitude, agg facebook.com slash attitude of aggression and you can find me on the twitter at wrestling realist that is at w-r-e-s-t-l-n-g-r-e-a-l-i-s-t you can listen to me every monday tuesday and wednesday on the chair shot radio network monday i am always with david Ungard doing bandwagon nerds along with the aforementioned pc tony and then a, a kind of a rotation at this point between violent aesop aesop mitchell and the reverend ray cash you can catch me on tuesdays with dave doing chair shot radio either doing musical chairs or hockey talk depending on the time of year and then on wednesdays i'm talking wrestling with greg demarco and Miranda morales on the greg demarco show that's going to do it for this edition of the five by five thank you everyone for listening hope you're having a good day and we will catch you next time you've been listening to the five by five on the chair shot radio network part of the chairshot.com
chosen one. It was said that you would destroy this and not join them. Bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness. Don't let yourself be destroyed as Obi-Wan did. this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough! He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. Search your feelings, you know it to be true. No! No! Luke, you can destroy the Emperor. He has foreseen this. It is your destiny. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. 